Well, hey there. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, the show that's all about real talk, real business, and real growth. I'm your host, Renee Dallow, multi-passionate entrepreneur, business and life coach, keynote speaker, and wedding planner. In this show, we dive headfirst into the conversations that matter most, from personal development to relationships, career success to wellness, and everything in between. This is a safe space to explore your messy middle and come out on the other side with a little more wisdom and hopefully a few more laughs. Every episode will bring you experts and thought leaders sharing their insights, experiences, and life lessons, empowering you to take that next step toward being your favorite version of yourself. Are you ready for it? Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow. This is episode 201 of Talk with Renee Dallow, and our guest today is Crystal Whitaker. Crystal Whitaker is the founder of Crystal Lily Creative, an inclusive branding and leadership development consulting firm. Crystal offers coaching and brand photography for leaders and businesses that want to disrupt the status quo to create inclusive, aligned brands and social environments that are rooted in core values. She is also the author of Brave Leadership is a Choice, an Inclusive Guide to Creating Belonging, which just happens to be the book of the month inside my membership, Better with Renee Dallow. This book is for leaders who care deeply about cultivating inclusive, human-focused environments to support greater connection, creativity, and collaboration. Today, Crystal is here to talk about all of this with us. So grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host. If you're watching the video, it says on my shirt, a real piece of work. That's me, Renee Dallow. Joined this week by the lovely and talented Crystal Whitaker. Crystal, how are you, friend? Hi, Hi, Renee. Thanks for having me, first of all. I personally, individually, am doing well, despite Mm -hmm. the state of the world. Yeah, I I feel all of the things, but uh, I'm I'm doing well on a personal level, so I can't I can't complain, and I'll take that. I'm glad you're doing well. I also acknowledge that we are living through a time that is a I don't think the term shit show is strong enough, and yet we persist, right? As we always do in one way or another. It's also fitting because you're here to talk about brave leadership, which yeah. is even more needed in times like these. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Where do I begin? (laughs) I know. Where do we even begin? Well, let me ask, let's start with this. What led you to this? I don't want to say idea or concept because it's more than that, but this sort of ethos of brave leadership. It's funny. Brave is one of those terms that when other people use it, to direct towards another person or a group. It's from that outward lens of, oh my gosh, they're so brave, right? Uh And usually the person receiving that is kind of often moving from a place of conviction, not really thinking about bravery or courage, but just doing the thing because it feels and is the right thing to do for whatever the reason may be. So- I came into this, I mean, as you know, having been in the wedding industry and Mm -hmm. built a really inclusive photography business in the wedding industry and people asking me how I did it. And it just became this 
I I feel so weird saying this, but it was almost like the, like this calling. It was just this thing that yeah. I felt it in my gut of, oh, there is a need for this. People are asking me for, am I the right person to do it? But I felt that just that inner gut check of, no, yeah. this feels right. This feels like something I can do, whether or not I ever thought I would is irrelevant. <laughs> One hundred percent. It becomes irrelevant because I think what you're describing, what I call what you're describing is like your inner knowing, like it's just this, yeah. this thing that you know in your bones in a way. Yeah. That intuition, the, the idea of brave leadership, at least, at least for me in the way that I position it is that I perceive brave leaders as people who really do care about humanity uh, as a yeah. whole, right? They want to create more connection and build stronger relationships, uh, create spaces where people feel like they can find that sense of belonging. And it does require an ability to do things sometimes that are, are outside of the norm. You know, it does disrupt that status quo and it can be really scary. It can feel... Well, yes. <laughs> That's what it I was it say. can feel uncertain, right? And it's like, oh, do mm -hmm. I do do I do this? Do I stand up? Do I speak out? And yeah. it does require a certain level of courage and bravery to do so because you might be among the first that is right. breaking the norm. Right. I, I was I was just it was so funny you said scary because I was thinking leadership for me has sometimes been really scary. Right. Just having to address certain things or being the person to make the phone call to say, hey, what's going on here? Or did this happen the way I think it happened? Or I mean, th those are just whatever ideas. But like having being the person that has to say. We cannot brush this under the rug. We have to talk about it. I have been in those situations as a leader because, you know, I've led different organizations over the years, as I think everyone here listens, knows, I know you, ultimately, you know, because you know me in real life, but I've had these moments where I've been in conversations and I've had the thought of like, wow, I'm breathless right now or, or my, or my stomach hurts right now, or there's like a tingling in me somewhere. Like what is happening to my physical body? And it's like, you're scared, <laughs> but you, it's okay. Cause you have to keep going anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you keep going because you know that there is magic and power in cultivating these this energy where people yeah. are able to connect on more of a human level, to be more creative, to collaborate openly, to be more productive because you are leading by example. You're, you're modeling ways to be for people to pause and think, oh, this person is showing up in this way and I feel inspired by it. How can I tap into my own inner knowing to use your language? to lead in a way that feels like I'm paving a way for other people to kind of follow suit. It becomes this ripple effect. Yeah, I agree with that. What do you think happens in the opposite way, right? Where there's someone in leadership right now, say someone listening who's like, well, I'm a leader and they don't feel very brave, right? Like how would you encourage someone to find their own bravery? Oh, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no one's asked me that specifically, but what I would say is start with yourself, go within. I, I think that one of the things that I've recognized, not even just within myself, but with clients that are, that I work with and have these conversations with, 
is having that ability to connect with yourself on an individual level and understand what you need in order to show up ideally as the best, loudest, strongest version of yourself to be able to advocate for the things that you believe in, the people, the causes, the movements. And so to give you an example, the the ways that I connect with myself to nurture my own voice and my spirit, I I like to journal. I am a deep meditator. I, I'll sing to myself and hum to myself. Things, things that get me personally, this is how I do it, I, like things that get me into my body because when we are connected to ourselves and we understand what we need, if we're in a space where life feels a little more chaotic than usual, maybe it's understanding how to recognize, all right, I need to give some extra time to myself today for reasons X, Y, and Z so that I can show up in these other ways and these other spaces. Because when you connect on that personal level with yourself and you're operating through that lens of Mm self-awareness, then it becomes easier to show up in ways that are in alignment with how much you're able to give to others. You're able to communicate, this is where I'm at. This is what I can do. This is how I can support you and create containers where other people can do the same. Yeah. So it starts within. I love that you said create containers because that's really what I think leaders are supposed to be doing, right? Yes. A lot of people, I think, take on leadership roles because they think it's about them, right? Like, I'm going to be a great leader for this organization. I'm going to bring this group of people to new new levels, new heights, this business or whatever. And I'll tell you, in like all the years I've been doing it, it's not about you. Like it has never been about me. It's always been about who we're serving and what are some ways we can push, push, nudge things in a better direction. And frankly, it's always been my thought about like what happens after I'm gone, right? How can I set this up in a way so that I can lead and then leave and other people can then lead? Because like you're not really, you're building, like leaders build other leaders. That's what I want to say about it. That's what I think is really the truth. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I have said for a very long time that leadership is collaborative. Even in my coaching and consulting relationships, particularly with one-on-one clients where they're coming to me for a certain level of expertise, I set that expectation up on the front end is that yes, I have information that you maybe aren't yet familiar with or don't have an in-depth understanding of, but this is a collaborative relationship. I'm not just here to tell you what to do because that's ultimately not super productive. No. You've got to be given the tools. You've got to make sure that it's it's a co-creation. Which I think is why leadership uh, sometimes gets a bad rep. I remember a restaurant manager I had when I was younger that was like the worst leader, the nicest guy, the worst leader in the world. So even in job relationships, even when I was before I knew the language, right, I was always like, man, he's just not in it for he just has no awareness of how of people and and how to talk to people and how he's perceived in this space. And I could go on and on. But the point is that we've all been, I think, I don't think there's a single person that's immune to bad leadership. So we know what it looks like and we know how it makes us feel. 100%. 100%. I saw something on LinkedIn within the last couple of days, a, a speaker that I'm connected to who put out that your manager has a significant impact on your health and well-being. And it just, it clicked for me because I can think back to times when I've been in toxic 
work environments, right? Where leadership yes. is, you know, behaving in ways that are more harmful than helpful. When I was in corporate, I have left places because it wore down on me. I didn't have the language back then either, but I'm like, oh yeah, that's because my overall well-being was being impacted by work. Right. Right. I mean, sometimes we say back in the day when I had, when I wasn't an entrepreneur, right? I hate my job, but did I hate the tasks or did I hate the environment? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, did I hate waiting tables or did I just hate my manager? I think I just hated my manager. No offense. I'm sure he's not listening anymore. But what would you say to someone who is in that position you were in, right? Who's like, okay, do I stay or do I go? Because my, my health is being affected. Like, do you speak up? Do you leave? Like, what are our options? Oh, well, I, I mean, I think that everyone's circumstance is unique to them, sure. but a, I think it really depends on starting with evaluating your work environment. Are you in an environment where you even feel safe enough to speak up, to right. address what you're experiencing, whether it's with your direct manager or with someone else? Because if the answer is no, then it might be a good time to evaluate what your options may be if that's possible yeah. to you. And I know that, you know, speaking from a place of privilege where I don't have to go into a workplace, but right. recognizing right. it's unfortunate when people have to choose between their well-being and their livelihood. Yeah. So acknowledging that that is a very real decision for some people, but if you can choose I encourage you to choose your well-being first. And if that means having a conversation, if it feels safe enough to do so, or finding ways to bring other opportunities into the fold that will be more aligned to your well-being. Yeah. I have a question for you that I ask a lot when we talk about leadership. And I, it's kind of a leading question because I know you in life, but I think there's a, a big bias out there in the world about like leaders needing to be a certain type of personality, uh, like an extrovert versus introvert, or, you know, what is your take on all of that? I think it's all crap. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I wanted her to say, folks. <laughs> I... Well, because so I have a background as an executive recruiter. That was the last corporate role that I had before I was like, I'm out. <laughs> so having been in conversations with people, both leaders that I was actively trying to recruit and in conversations with leaders that were on the recruiting end and hearing, you know, that there was a lot of language thrown around about whether or not people were culture fits, whether, whether or not they had the gravitas, you know, the, the, the things wow. that yeah. are used to describe leaders in, in a traditional model, right? right and right, something right. that even prior to that experience and definitely after having met and worked with so many talented, creative entrepreneurs in different fields, I don't think that it's a matter of you know, being an extrovert or being an introvert, I think it's a matter of leaders being in the right roles for them, where they are able to really practice their magic. Like, what is their magic? And are they in a role in a space where that is being nourished and appreciated yeah. and accepted? Because I, I don't know if you know this, if you and I have had this conversation offline, but I did not do well in my college speech class. I got the highest 
possible passing D or maybe the lowest C. I mean, I barely passed my college speech class. And this surprises people. The look on your face right now. <laughs> I'm very surprised right now. I'm like, wait, what? How? Did you not show up? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and yeah, and I even still, sometimes I will still sweat under the armpits when I'm giving a talk, but that surprises people because they see me as this, you know, charismatic, extroverted person. I'm not an extrovert by any stretch. I'm a, I'm a massive introvert. When I'm on, I'm on. And it's because I'm on and I'm operating in my magic. I'm in this space where I know that what I'm doing matters, not just to me, but other people. And that lights me up. Whereas if I had to, I don't know, go and give a brief on data analytics or something, I, it probably wouldn't be as charismatic because I wouldn't know what I was doing. I wouldn't be in my magic. So the long-winded answer to your question is that I think good leaders that are really making an impact are people that are able to operate in their magic and that is nourished. I love that you said the word charisma because it's something that I've been reading a lot about lately um because someone had asked me um so you know i'm also a coach and i have coaching clients and someone asked me uh, can you teach me how to be more charismatic and i thought no what you can't teach that and then i did a little i did a little digging around and i found this really interesting definition of charisma that says it is warmth meets preparation or like the idea of someone that some, someone is warm and also competent like those two things together is what makes charisma and when i read it i was like well is that true but then the more i talk about it or, or experience other people's charisma i'm like oh yeah it is actually it's you feel like connected to them in some way there's some sort of magnetism there which i think that's the piece you can't necessarily teach someone but then the competence piece is like this sense of like no they've got it whatever's going to happen they've got it and it's okay and I think those two things together, when you're in your magical place, right? Um, and for me, that's that's me being on stage. Like, I'm re we're recording this the week before I leave for Wedding MBA. And like, I can't wait to get to Vegas. Like, that's my week. That's my favorite week. I love it. Because it is those things. It's those two things married together. I just, I love the, I love thinking about like, can we teach charisma? I don't know. I'm probably going to do a podcast episode on it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I do. I, I think it's possible because it really, what I'm hearing, it boils down to confidence, right? We can build confidence. Yeah. And there's so much made over the years, right? Especially as entrepreneurs of like, well, fake it till you make it. But the faking it part is where you lose the competence mm -hmm. part of the equation for me, right? So it's like, we want leaders to be competent and have a little, you know, something that makes us follow them, a little something that makes us sit a little taller in our seats. But I also think for me in my years of leadership, for me, it was important to have well, self-awareness is always very important to me, but also like empathy without empathy, but still being decisive about things. Right. I think a lot of times leaders fall into this trap of wanting to be really well liked and that's not the gig. Right. So like, I always wanted to know what was going on. Like for instance, when I was with WIPA, like what's going on with my board members? Like we would always do this check-in on our, because we had to do everything virtually because it was during the pandemic. And I would always say, start the meeting by saying, how, how are you doing? Like, really, how are you doing? Cause we were going through some turbulent shit back then, of course, like we, we are now. And I would always end the call with like, say one good thing. Just tell me one good thing. Even if it's like this coffee is warm, just any little thing, right? Just something to say, like an insight into how, how you're thinking about things, you know? But then I also had to be okay with saying like, no, we're not going to do that idea. 
<laughs> I love you, but we're not doing that idea or whatever it is. And I, I, I don't know. Leadership is so complicated, I think. Yeah. Well, it's because humans are involved. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Damn it. Why can't I lead robots? No, I wouldn't want we, to lead robots. We can't, we can't AI leadership. <laughs> they can try, but. <laughs> oh my God. No one better try to AI leadership, please. Oh, that made me so uh, sad just then. Anyhow, yes, humans. Yeah, I mean, humans are involved and we're, we're variable creatures, right? I mean, we're all coming with our own baggage from life and the day or the hour before we met. Or the minute before the Zoom starts. Exactly, exactly. And even that, so I, I've always practiced through a trauma-informed lens and definitely more so had that reinforced by going through a formal training around trauma-informed space holding. But even that, like coming into a Zoom meeting, right, I always make it a point to check in with people. I even do this if I'm doing a masterclass or a workshop. Drop in the chat on a scale of one to 10. How's everybody showing up? I want to know how the energy is because yeah. if Same. half of the folks that are present are telling me that they're at a five or a six and I was coming in at a nine, it's, I'm going to lose them if I start yeah. off at a nine. <laughs> 100%. So being able to check in with people and meet them where they are is so, so important. Whereas a, a tr traditional leadership models, they just come from this command and control, you know? We've heard this in online business marketing too. Be the authority. It's not even that people don't want that anymore. People don't need that. <laughs> people need humans yeah. who can meet them as humans and yeah. bring us all together collectively. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's asking for some vulnerability on the part of leadership to say, oh, if everyone's at a two, we have to run this meeting with everybody at a two. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've got. How do we still move forward and not, and not like sink into it, but also not force a nine if there's no nine to be had. No, I was thinking, you know what made me think about? There's this um, clip I saw of Brene, I think it was Brene Brown, right? It was Brene Brown talking about her and her husband and how when they're dealing with anything in, in the household, right? They check in and, and she says like, what have you got today? And he'll say, I got a 20, like out of a hundred, right? And she has to say, do I have 80? Okay, I can do 80 today. Because between the two of them, they've got to be at a hundred. And mm -hmm. sometimes they both come in and say, nope, I've only got 20. And she's like, well, shit, I've only got 22. What are we going to do? We're going to figure out how to do this at 40 and still be kind to one another. And I think that that's a really apt like metaphor for also leadership, right? Just like, like you said, we can't come in at a 10 and ex or at 15. If someone's at a two, you can't come in at a 15 and be like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> because it yeah, just absolutely. alienates people, I think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And one of my other favorite things to do, especially in situations like that, is I always ask permission first. Nobody's ever told me no, thankfully. But I'll just be yeah. like, hey, how does everybody feel about just starting off with a few grounding breaths? I don't know where you're coming yes. from, what your day has been like, but can we just take a minute? Let's just take a minute. Nobody has ever said no to that. And because well, most folks you are not breathing very deeply. No, no. Yeah. And, and usually after that, people even come up a notch or two, which is helpful. Yes. I love this. What other leadership, I was going to say tips, but tips feels so small. But if someone listening is in a leadership role and now they're thinking about things and they're like, oh shoot, 
I'm doing it wrong. What would you say? Thinking that they're doing it wrong. I mean, aren't we all kind of figuring it out as we go along? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so my, my, my first question to a person would be, what makes you think you're doing it wrong? And the things that I would invite them to consider is, you know, are the people around you, do, do they feel like they can come and talk to you and have conversations with you in a, in a, you know, honest, vulnerable way? If the answer is yes, are you really doing it wrong? Are there people on your team? Is there infighting on your team? Are, is, is there conflict that's not being resolved? And if the answer yeah. is no, why do you think you're doing it wrong? What that my first question is it's hard to give a general blanket answer on what's what's wrong because it's important to be able to assess what's happening around you. If yeah. people aren't being as productive or collaborative as you know they could be and you're recognizing that difference and that's what's making you think, oh, something must be wrong, then I would invite them to consider what might be different lately. Are there things mm -hmm. professional or personal that could be impacting your own energy? You know, are you aware of yeah. how you're showing up? What's, what's the connection with yeah. yourself? And yeah. how might that be impacting the environments that you're participating in? And if you find, hey, things are a little off and I, I don't feel like I'm doing things right the way that I would like to, then I would refer back to what I was saying at the beginning of our conversation, those self-connection pieces, tapping in yeah. and getting more in tune with your own awareness before trying to fix things externally. Yeah, I love that. What about, because you said collaboration a lot, and I agree with that leadership is collaborative. What if you are with a team or, or even a work environment or, or what have you, some group that isn't being very collaborative? Are there ways to foster that group collaborative energy? I, you know, I love core values. <laughs> I know you do. Me too. So on the fly, what, what I would consider is maybe doing some group team building considering what the overall mission and purpose uh, is of the team, the organization that you're working for, what project are you working on that you're trying to achieve and check in to make sure that you all still feel aligned to the values and the mission of what's happening and see if there is any disconnect, anything that feels different, anything that's coming through either yourself as a leader or the team that doesn't feel aligned to what it is that you're trying to do and why that might be. Start there. Yeah. I love that. And then like the question I want to ask you, I don't really, how do you, can, how do you fix something that's broken? Right? Like if it isn't aligned anymore and you're like, someone said something to this on this one, this one day that really put me off. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this project anymore. I'm just making things up. But like, what if something is broken? How do we fix it? It, it depends on, I mean, is it a, is it someone on the team that is causing conflict that just doesn't want to work together? Why don't right. they want to work together? What's happening? And can, can that person, can their role, I, I don't like to use the word replace because I don't want to imply that people are replaceable, but is there someone else sure. that can do that project? Maybe not necessarily letting someone go. Hopefully it's not to that extent, but what is it about the project that feels 
broken? What is it about the person's connection to the project that feels broken? And if that can't be repaired, then it's an opportunity to explore how to move forward with someone who is able to find that connection and execute in a way that is aligned. I feel like we learned a lot in the last couple of years just about like right person, right place, right time, right project. Mm -hmm. Like everything's sort of coming, having that, I guess, alchemy of like, and when it's not there, you can sort of see how it all could be better. You know, like sometimes you look at a situation, you're like, I can see the opportunity here. <laughs> how do we get there? Um, yeah. And that's always, I think, a, a leadership challenge. I don't want to say struggle. My brain said struggle. Yeah. I was like, no, Renee say challenge. And then I said struggle anyway. This is where we are today, Crystal. That's okay. That's okay. The other thing I would say too is, you know, sometimes projects get started and you start moving down, down the line and it could be a couple of things that, that happen. One, maybe there weren't clear instructions. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> or two, as you get down the line, and you find more clarity that, oh, maybe this, maybe it's just not it. Maybe it's it's not that the project itself is broken, but it's just not what we thought it was going to be. And learning yeah. to be okay with that. You know, you and I have had conversations offline about decisions that have been made, you know, in business where it's like, you just have to name stuff. I think that's what you've even said to me before sometimes, right? Where it's like, okay, we're going to try this thing. Mm, yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> I think it's, and also there's like a healthy detachment there, right? From the thing, especially if it's like your pet project, this thing, this thing that I'm building, and then it doesn't come together or it doesn't have the impact that you want. And there, there has to be a moment when you go like, okay, this doesn't have anything to do with like, I don't have to take this as a personal failing, right? But I can just say, okay, that maybe wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Maybe my energy is better spent somewhere else, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's okay. Learning to let I, go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a really important component of leadership too, is learning how to be in those spaces where you have to recalibrate and move forward in that recalibration and also bring people along with you. Don't just, uh, oh, we're done. Okay, wash my hands of it and leave people wondering like, wait, what? I don't understand what happened. I think that right. there's a lot of magic in bringing people along with you because there's probably people that are watching and paying attention that would love guidance on what happens when things shift. We don't talk yeah. about that enough, I think. There's this whole world where it's like, oh, I did the thing and here are all my accomplishments. Well, yeah. that's great. Can we also have perspective on the challenges? Yeah. You know, I think that also goes back to that self-awareness and also a tremendous amount of self-development, I think, on the part of, of each individual person who describes himself as a leader to to do that work, to be able to share those things and not have it be, you know, an open wound, <laughs> have it be a scar if, if it didn't, you know, if it didn't go the way you, you thought. I feel like I've been in those in those places too, not not like in a dramatic way, but, you know, when I decided to leave, when I wrote, when I led Rising Tide for four years, I had to leave Rising Tide to go serve WIPA. And that was a choice that I made, but I knew that when I made that choice, I would have to say goodbye to one thing to say hello to the next. And 
And I remember thinking like, oh, I have to make a choice here. And there is a before and after. And it wasn't, you know, it was a good, it was a good move. I was excited about the move, but I still had, I remember like the very last meeting when I said like, okay, well, this is my last meeting. And it was like a, what, who, who, you know, and being able to talk that out with everyone about like the reasons why, because I had strong reasons why to go. It was important to share that for me. It was important for me to share that with people when I left you know, why and why I was excited about it. That was just a tangent that I went on. Thanks for letting me go on that well, tangent. Well, I remember that meeting. I, Do I, you? I remember that meeting. I remember you giving a speech. It, it was a whole thing. And I remember thinking the same thing. I'm like, wait, you're leaving? But I just uh -huh. met you and I like you so much. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's very sweet. I remember even when I said to the team, I want to give a speech, I remember being met with a little bit of like a, oh, all right, she wants to give a speech, like as if it were about me, like wanting to give a speech, but it was me wanting to say my reason, you know, kind of explain it. Cause I don't think it's, I don't know. I just, it, it wouldn't have felt complete for me to have the meeting go home and then be like, yeah, that was my last one. Bye guys. Like, I just felt like that was a completion to be like, Hey, I'm doing this new thing. I love you all. Thank you for great four years. And I think I said something about uh like if you're feeling called to lead and you're hearing this right now you should go lead like you should stand up and lead there's no other outside source that's going to come in and say now you lead like you have to it's self-determination at, at first and then once you do it someone else goes hey can you come over here and help us and you're like okay i'll go over here now <laughs> at least that's what happened with me that's a testament to your leadership capabilities renee um thank you you know i think sometimes leadership, especially with women gets conflated into some like idea of being like a bossy bitch or, you know, all these like things we hear in society about like, I'm not bossy, I'm the boss or all those things we put on t-shirts. But actual leadership for me has never really been about that. As we've discussed, it's more about collaboration. I wonder what your thoughts about that are. Do you find that language uh, helpful or hurtful? The I think that it's incredibly hurtful. You don't hear leadership described that way in relation to our male identified counterparts where, you know, <laughs> I, sure I, I think about the, you know, the, the, the girl boss language and all of that. You don't see things online. Hey, I'm a bro boss. Like it doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> And you see, like, you laugh because it sounds ridiculous, right? So but scary, yet yeah. Here, yeah. there are legions of people. And, you know, if you, if you resonate with girl boss, fine. But for me, I, I think that all of that language is more hurtful than helpful because why can't we just be leaders? Why can't we just be bosses? Why does our mm -hmm. gender have to be associated with it or our gender identity, right? Because right. men aren't doing that. And while I think that there is incredible value of the reports about, you know, women leaders and women in the workplace and, and all of that, it, it gives us helpful information to continue the conversation around finding more equity when it comes to leadership roles and who fills them. And on the flip side of the coin, it's frustrating that we need them in the first place. Yeah, that was actually what I was, that was just what I was going to ask you. Isn't it so fucking frustrating that it's 2023 and we're having this, still having the equity conversation, which is, has to keep happening forever and ever, I guess, until it's, I guess, until all making the same amount of money and everything looks the way the world looks. Yeah, well, and I mean, the conversation is even expanding when we consider all of the other 
nuances that come with the word equity, right? It's not right. just about gender equity. It's also about uh, human equity in general. If you think about organizations and small businesses and what the yeah. demographic makeup looks like and how yeah. people are being compensated, the opportunities that they're given or not given. It's yeah, equity as it relates to the workplace and leadership is a much more expansive conversation than unfortunately people are still willing to have. And why is that? Because it's too challenging? That's the short answer. <laughs> it's it, it requires a, a lot of work that people either don't want to do or they don't have the resources to do. Resources is one of the biggest pieces because people yeah. tend to be really stretched stretch thin, especially if you're thinking about organizations. You know, you and I yeah. and, and people that we tend to work with, smaller businesses where people get to choose to do the work is one thing. Right. Being in an organization where you have a job description and then things are added onto that job description and then you have a budget to consider and also wanting to be mindful not to put educational labor onto your team. There are so many nuanced elements that come into play when it comes to right. really doing the deep work that's required to have conversations around equity what it really means to be a collaborative leader and create spaces where people feel like they do have a voice and they are being heard. It's, it's a lot of work and it's not an add on. And that's the thing is that people, when they do do it, sometimes they tend to do it as an add on and it shouldn't be, it's gotta be a holistic practice. Yeah. It's part of the foundation of the work. Yes. Yeah. I always try when I record these podcasts to think about what the listeners might be thinking right now, right? And ask the questions that I think that, they, that they're thinking, right? I always try to use my actor brain to do that piece. And I just heard this thing in my head that was like, well, that sounds hard. And it's like, well, yeah, it, no one said it was supposed to be easy. <laughs> yeah, it's not supposed to be easy. And if anyone's coming into a leadership role thinking that things are going to be easier because you're no longer having to do the grunt work of the, the people that are, you know, oh. reporting to leadership, no. it's a whole different ballgame. You have so much more to be responsible for. Leadership is a big responsibility, I've never which is why it's brave, more. right? Well, right. And I was just going to say, I've never done more. The most work I ever done, done was when I was with the president. I never done more work than that. I was two full-time jobs. Well, three, if you count, well, four. I had a lot of full-time jobs that, that those two years. Because it was, even though we were in a pandemic, you know, taking care of a board of people and then fulfilling the needs of the bigger organization and making sure everyone, to the best of my ability, was felt heard and seen and valued and energized and engaged and felt like what the work they were doing mattered in a time where nothing felt like anything mattered in 2020, it was like, huh, okay. And then also, and we didn't talk about this piece, but we, I guess we could touch on this for a sec. Sometimes when you're, when you take on a leadership role, what you're inheriting in that leadership role is someone else's projects and someone else's, I don't even want to say ethics in, a, in, in that way that it would might be challenging, but just like someone else's, someone else started that race, right? And you're coming in to grab the baton and keep it going. So kind of have to take what they've done and say, okay, well, how do I put my own view on this? And, and how can I kind of focus this for this new group of people moving forward? And, and that's its own kind of skill that no one talks about. At least no one told me about. <laughs> I was like, oh, all these projects from last year, 
are now my my projects and I didn't care this were okay I can figure out how to care about this let's go <laughs> well and even that I want to acknowledge that too because that that per point that you're sharing about all of the things that you did especially during the pandemic and the leadership roles that you held you still chose to be there you made that choice and you yeah. did it because of your beliefs around wanting to support people and making sure that there was collaboration happening i know how big you are on community that was a choice yeah. you could have chosen yeah. different but you didn't and think about yeah. all of the people that you inspired because of your choice to show up and lead on a regular basis when everything felt really challenging everything was on fire but then again, isn't everything kind of always on fire? Don't we just keep going anyway? Right? Sadly, fortunately, which Sadly. you could get me on a whole other tangent about the systems that we live in and it shouldn't be this way. We should not have to continue operating right. as though everything is normal when it's not, but we don't have a choice because <laughs> that's where we Commerce. don't really have a choice, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's capitalism. Welcome. Exactly. Welcome to the show. We're talking about the patriarchy and capitalism. Welcome. It's every episode I end up yelling about the patriarchy. Um, <laughs> maybe not every episode, every other episode. I just, you know, I love this conversation, Crystal, because leadership is so layered. And I think, especially in the wedding industry specifically, I will say with the different organizations we have and the different boards and the way they're run. And I've been on several of them. So I think I can say this with some kind of authority. It sometimes feels a little bit like a vanity project for some folks, right? They want to be on the board because they want the shiny little badge and they and it is it is good for your career. I'll say it, right? The actual work of doing the leadership is so much different than it looks from the outside. And so I love this conversation just to acknowledge that simple truth and every and every other thing that you've shared with us. What would you say for someone who is toying with the idea of leadership in any space? What would you say to encourage them? To encourage them. If you're toying with the idea of leadership in any space, then I would imagine that that's coming from some intuitive part of you, or like you said earlier, the, the inner knowing. Tune into that and, and listen to it and hear what it's really telling you. Why do you want to be in leadership? And if you're feeling that calling, then answer it, listen to it, because not everybody does. Not everybody wants to step into those roles for a myriad of reasons. But if you're feeling called to it, really listen to it because our intuition tells us a lot. Maybe they should also get your book. I mean, they could also get my book. <laughs> Tell us about your book, Crystal. Uh, so my book is Brave Leadership is a Choice, an Inclusive Guide to Creating Belonging. I'm really proud of it. I poured my heart and soul into this book. Key points that, that I will say, I mean, it's definitely for people who really believe that everyone deserves to have a seat and a voice at the table. You believe in cultivating environments where people can be seen heard. And it's also for leaders who, you know, if you've ever found yourself in a space where you didn't really feel like you belong, 
this is for you if you want to cultivate a sense of belonging from within and model how to do it for other people. It is super helpful for leaders who are looking to get more tools to manage discomfort while disrupting and identifying bias. And if you are committed to being a leader who embodies your core values, definitely get this book because it is rich with all of it, it won't even say tips. It's really more about doing the inner work to make sure that you're showing up authentically through the things that you say matter to you and how you want to lead and be seen in the world. Oh, perfect. If you're interested in Crystal's book, which you all should be, we are actually studying it this month in my membership, Better with Renee Dallow. So you can grab a link in the bio for the book and the membership and come study it with us this month. Crystal, I just have a few more questions for you. As you know, better is all about taking care of yourself, your body, your mind, your spirit. So for you, Crystal, I want to know, do you have any habits? I know you mentioned sort of journaling earlier meditation that like you literally cannot live without you must do. Well, yeah, definitely uh, meditation, journaling, and sometimes it's not even physically writing in a journal. I'll talk to myself in voice notes so I can move that oh. energy through my body. That's super helpful, especially if you got some shit to say and you know yeah. you shouldn't say it out loud to others. Oh. That's a really good one. I love that one. <laughs> no one has ever said that to me before. I love that. Oh, well, you want to know one of my favorite benefits of voice notes versus physically writing is that even <laughs> no if you're just it. talking to yourself, you yeah. will still, your brain and your body are still processing whatever is coming out. So even if you are in a room by yourself, whatever comes up and out of your body is, it's just an extra way of processing rather than just like writing it where it might still sit dormant in your body. You move that energy and it's, it's a game changer. I've processed a lot through voice notes. Highly, highly recommend that. And then I'll like sing to myself and dance to myself. Like those are those are some things that I yeah. like to do as well. But the voice notes are so helpful. I don't helpful. Even, I danced, I dance, well, dance. I'm making air quotes because it's not really dancing. It's more like thrashing myself around. Like if I have a lot of stuff in my body that needs to get out, it's like a it's like modern dance, but on, you know, it's bananas anyway. I love this voice notes thing. I'm going to try it because I'm a yeah. verbal processor. Obviously, I have the podcast called Talk, so that might be really helpful. And for anyone who's very journaling adverse, the voice notes are going to be a saving grace, I think. Yeah. And I'll give you I'll give you an extra layer to the voice notes is if this was really helpful for me, especially when I was voice noting things that I knew I probably couldn't or shouldn't say out loud, but needed to get out and wanting to be heard, play it back to yourself. Because then when you're listening to yourself, you might catch things that, that give you a little more insight. I love it. Everyone go voice note your journal. <laughs> Crystal, thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to have you in the Better Membership and I just appreciate you so much. Same. I appreciate you. I'm glad we got to have this conversation. What I'm obsessed with this week. 
Well, I have two things for you this week, friends. The first one you're probably not going to be surprised by. It is my membership, Better With Renee Dallow. Now, the reason I'm obsessed with it this week is twofold. One, because we are still running our wedding MBA promotion where you can get a whole year of better at a discount. You can check out the discount at reneedallow.com forward slash better. That's B-E-T-T-E-R. But I'm also obsessed with better because now that my year has wound down of wedding planning, I am fully focused on creating the curriculum for next year. And I am very excited about our January goal setting. Now, for those of you who are familiar with my former course, Biz-ish, it's a similar structure in which we look back on the year that was, we plan for the year that will be, and we make strategic plans for action for the year to come. So it's not just goal setting in like a fluffy way. This is like real nuts and bolts business and life goal setting. And that's what's going to happen in January in Better. So I would love to see you sign up now so that you can get all the benefits of Better as the year goes on. Now, the second thing that I'm obsessed with as we head into Black Friday sales is one, we're not doing any Black Friday sales. (laughs) Um, The doors to Better are actually going to close the day before Thanksgiving. But if you are looking for a planner for next year, you know, I'm not really a paper girly. I like to be paperless. But last year I started using the Full Focus Planner and I am obsessed with it. It's the only planner that's ever worked for my slight ADHD brain. It is a wonder, uh, really. And you're gonna be like, how is a notebook a wonder? Every single day you do your daily big three. Weekly you assess your calendar, you make goals for the year, for the quarter. I just really love it because there's so much blank space that you can use to take notes, that you can use to future cast. It is the only thing I've consistently used all year. I have tried every other planner out on the market for years. This is the only thing that works. So it's called the Full Focus Planner. I will put the link to that in the show notes as well as the link to Better. If you are someone who is struggling to get your tasks done, if your to-do list is like 200 items long and it's completely overwhelming, the Full Focus Planner might just be for you, friends. It also comes with a bunch of videos that show you how to use it. They're easy, they're quick videos. But as you're looking next year to see what you're gonna do for a planner, friends, please consider the Full Focus Planner. I I don't, this is not a sponsorship or anything. I just super love it and I think you'll love it too. So give both of those items a check out in the show notes and we will see you next week, friends. We will have a Thanksgiving episode next week all about my time at Wedding MBA. So stay tuned for that and I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this week's Talk with Renee Dallow. We would love for you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And remember, this isn't a one-way conversation. I want to hear from you, our amazing listeners. So reach out to me on Instagram at Renee Dallow or on TikTok at the Renee Dallow. Tell me your thoughts on this episode and suggest topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. You are a crucial part of this community and your voice matters. And as always, I know that your time is the one thing you cannot make any more of, and I'm always so grateful that you spend it with me. Until next time, friends, be good to yourself.